As federal health care disappears, so do our doctors. The provinces are doing their part, but we need the federal government to restore health care funding now to keep our systems strong. That is a line taken directly from a new ad, which is paid for by the provinces in an effort to try and ramp up the pressure on Ottawa. It's part of a new campaign that has been launched just last week to try and, as I say, get the feds to, well, come up with some money. Uh, for healthcare primarily is what the push is. So to talk about what's going on and how this might work, we're going to chat with Dr. Colleen Flood, a research, research chair in health law and policy at the University of Ottawa. Dr. Flood, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, my pleasure. Glad to be here, Shane. So so this new campaign, clearly, we, we know without a doubt that we have a health care crisis from coast to coast to coast. We all have heard the stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, is So how do we see this? Is this the provinces attempting to shift some of the pressure they're under to the feds? I mean, it is provincial jurisdiction. So what's the strategy here? Oh, well, I think that is uh, definitely the strategy of the provinces uh, to try to um, deflect some of the uh, blame, I guess, to the to the federal government uh, for what we're experiencing. But I think, you know, for Canadians, they have to ask themselves, what should we be asking for from both the provinces mm. and the federal government? Because you just said it's uh, provincial jurisdiction. It's actually shared jurisdiction, according to the Supreme Court of Canada. So the federal government has a role here in, in funding and in other uh, aspects of healthcare, and of course, too, the provinces have a very significant role. So it's not one or the other; they're both accountable for what we're experiencing right now, and we should be looking to both of them for improvement. Right. Yeah. So I mean, when we take a look at that, like the province is saying, okay, we need funding to go up to thirty-five percent. It's at about twenty-two right now, but the Fed say, well, no, because it's not just the money that we give you. There's other costs involved. So do we really know who isn't pulling their weight, or are they both at fault? I mean, do we know if someone's sort of letting the other side down at all? Uh, It's a a bit difficult because the funding kind of comes into a general pot for the provinces and it's really hard to know how much exactly kind of goes to healthcare once it comes into that pot from the federal government. Mm -hmm. But clearly, you know, over time from the original conception of Medicare, it was a 50-50 deal. And it does seem that the Fed's contribution has declined. But, I mean, the real question is, you know, when the funding comes in from the federal government, what will the provinces do with it? And I think that's, um, you know, the the big question. And why aren't they doing that now? You know, if they get more money from the federal government, you know, as a Canadian, what I want to know is what will you do with it right now, right now, to improve access uh, for people who can't access the care they desperately need? And I think that's what everybody wants to see, something happening, right? including the Prime Minister. I mean, Trudeau has said he wants to see some, some results before we just uh, yep. increase the amount of money. He wants to see this tied to tangible results. It, it, so is, is that fair? He wants to see the provinces taking some steps prior to just writing another check? Well, I think the obligation that provinces owe is to their citizens. And so, you know, whether you're in Alberta, BC, Nova Scotia, I think each province should be articulating to their citizens, what will we do with this extra money that we get? So, you know, the same old, same old provinces say, we're not going to, you can't tie strings to the funding you give us, federal government, it's not your jurisdiction, you know, blah, blah. 
But I think, you know, from coast to coast, we as Canadians can ask our provinces, well, tell us what you're going to do with this extra money, because we don't just want it to go to the status quo, uh, doing the same old, same old, um, you know, which is not changing things. We need urgent and immediate action. Uh, I think the federal government does need to put more money in on an emergency basis because we're still dealing with the pandemic, the aftershocks of various ways of the pandemic and probably going into more. So, you know, this is an emergency. The federal government needs to come to the table, but the provinces need to articulate very clearly to us what they're going to do. And I think that's such a great point because it's it's always money, 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 right? We need more money. We need more money. And I think all of us recognize that we've gone through this process so many times, doctor, and the results haven't gotten any better. So, um, yeah. That that should be part of our conversation at this point is, okay, it's not about money. We've got to do things differently, right? Absolutely. We need to do things differently. We do need, I think, some more money right now because, for example, I think one of the things we have to do is uh, increase um, wages for nurses who are leading, leaving the profession in droves after, you know, almost three years of the pandemic. We have to keep those profession, uh, those nurses back, get them back into the profession and stop them leaving. So we do need some more money in the system. But, you know, if that's not part of the plan on the part of the provinces, um, then I wouldn't be supportive of just putting more money in. Where is the money going to go? Are they going to do anything about ensuring that every Canadian has access to a primary health care team or home, right? Mm-hmm. That's got to be a really important part of whatever any new money does. How can we make sure that every Canadian doesn't have to, well, that every Canadian has a primary health care home and is not going to an emergency room to get the most basic health care need met? That's utterly ridiculous and part of the problem why we're... Uh, suffering right now. It all comes down to people though, right, doctor? I mean, that's the thing. Like you say, nurses, we need to keep nurses. We know there's a shortage of labor throughout the healthcare system right across the country. So how do we manufacture more people? It's people and hours. So the hours that they're working and scope of practice. So we can do things. Uh, So for example, we want to get more nurses uh, and keep them uh, so we can pay them more to stop them leaving. We can provide incentives to primary health care teams to do more work virtually, for example, to, and if they take on more patients to give them more money if they do do that, particularly to service people in remote and rural areas. We can, um, you had a brilliant orthopedic surgeon in um, in Alberta, uh, Cy Frank, who used uh, a sort of centralized mechanism for wait time so that people came into a central queue and went to uh, the first available uh, health, uh, orthopedic surgeon. And uh, that showed that this was a much more efficient and best way to manage um, uh, wait times for orthopedic surgery. So we do have some uh, evidence about how to do things more efficiently. We know um, if we put some dollars in strategic places, we can in the short term, um, as you say, kind of get more bodies working in the healthcare system. And that's what we need to do. Yeah, absolutely. And we need to do it. I mean, as we all know, it's, I mean, there, there is no time. There's no time. It's already into a crisis situation. So we need to act. We need to act now. Absolutely. And that's, you know, what I worry about is that some of the calls that you see from various groups are 
all pretty long-term stuff. You know, yes, we need to, you know, train more doctors and nurses possibly. But, you know, in the short term, what are we going to do to bring more uh, of the healthcare workforce on tap and get them working more hours yeah. and not leaving our profession? And can we do things, you know, like um, a lot of primary healthcare providers complain now about administrative burden, filling out forms, basically. So, can the government provide that kind of administrative support, the sort of back office functions for primary health care teams so they can see more patients? That's the kind of thing we need to do to tweet. Absolutely, yeah. Doctor, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you being here. My pleasure, Shane. Thank you for having me. That is Dr. Colleen Flood, who is a research chair in health law and policy at the University of Ottawa. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.